vacation on a beach and you decide to take some sand home as a souvenir but next thing you know you're being arrested and taken to jail. A recent CNN report states that a French couple is facing up to six years in prison from stealing sand from a beach in Sardinia, Italy while on vacation. The couple was caught and arrested with 14 plastic bottles filled with 88 pounds of sand and fined $3,300. A local police officer said, quote, During the last 20 years of activity, we have seized tens and tens of tons of material. There is an illegal market for them on the internet. End quote. You'd think stealing sand would be pretty uncommon and pretty pointless, but as it turns out, it's a massive global issue. Not that couples around the world are hoarding sand from beaches, but sand has become a very desirable and valuable commodity for corporations across the planet. The result has led to excessive sand mining and the formation of sand mafias. Rockefeller, and this is the Get Lit Podcast. Today, I have special guest AJ Dicharia with me to speak on sand mafias and their menacing effect on our planet and society. Thanks for having me on, Teddy. Of course. I think I'm speaking for more than just myself when I ask, what exactly is the sand mafia? Is it like the Sopranos, but the sand people on Tatooine? That's a good question. And I know it seems kind of confusing because why would there be a mafia around sand? But that in itself is the very reason why it's so dangerous. Not many people know how valuable sand as a commodity has become, and that leaves room for corruption. People are literally killing each other for it, and I hope I can make that reasoning clear with the rest of my time on this episode. Thanks. So, AJ, why are people killing each other over something as simple as a grain of sand? The murders are rooted in a world shortage of sand that no one really knows about. Sand has been a vital part of human advancement since 7000 BCE. As journalist and author Vince Baser says, it is to cities as flour is to bread, what cells are to our bodies, the invisible yet fundamental ingredient that makes up the bulk of the built environment in which most of us live." End quote. Right now, the world uses 50 billion tons of sand a year, making it the most used natural resource second only to water. Yeah, I know sand is used in a lot of components for technology too, which partly explains our rapid use of it. Right. One of its biggest uses and most traditional is for glass. Not even just the countless windows you can think of, but even the glass on smartphones. That's just one sliver of all the things sand is used in. Other examples are concrete, paved roads, ceramics, metallurgy, petroleum fracking, and the list goes on. And consumption is only ramping up as cities and populations grow. Between 2011 and 2014 alone, China has poured more concrete, 
made up largely of sand, than the United States used during the whole of the 20th century. Pulling 50 billion tons a year of sand from the planet, let alone any resource, is bound to have consequences. Wow, that, that's really crazy. I did not realize how valuable sand has become. And most people don't. And many people are also unaware of how such a seemingly trivial resource can become so precious. It's even to the point where sand is being shipped massive distances. Australia sends boatloads of sand to the Arabian Peninsula for land reclamation projects. Really? You'd think the Arabian Peninsula would have plenty of its own sands. What about the countless miles of deserts spread across the globe? It seems like there's still plenty of sand to go around. Well, that's true, but it's not the right type of sand. I know that seems weird because sand is sand, but in the world of construction, there is a huge difference. When making concrete, sand and gravel are mixed together with cement paste and they lock together. But sand that is eroded by wind, like that of our great deserts, doesn't have the right shape to lock together compared to sand eroded by water. Okay, I see. But where is all this other sand coming from? Well, the right type of sand comes mostly from riverbeds and some ocean beds too. But you have to separate out the salt due to risk of metal erosion, which can be more expensive. Sand mining in itself is already harmful to the environment, at least at the rate the world is moving at now. Last year, a researcher from Kerala, India, found that sand is dredged from local rivers 40 times faster than the rivers can replace it. Riverbeds have been lowered by around six feet as a result. I can imagine many of the mining methods used aren't too environmentally conscious either. That's true. It's most common to see floating platforms with buckets on a conveyor belt to pull sand from riverbeds. These crude methods are cheap to produce the most profit, but can drastically alter river flow, erode river banks, dry up tributaries, lower water tables, and trash wetlands and fisheries. Okay, so the market for sand mining is already harmful to the environment in itself, but the problem only gets worse when you think about the illegal aspect of its black market. Yes. Not only are there not many current regulations on sand mining due to its lack of awareness and research, but the illicit mining of it further worsens the situation. A United Nations environmental program member named Pascal Paduzzi says, quote, a lack of proper scientific methodology for river sand mining has led to indiscriminate sand mining, while weak governance and corruption have led to widespread illegal mining, end quote. That's interesting. From what I've seen, both legal and illegal sand mining are done in similar methods, but it's the volume that is exceeded with the illegal mining. That's exactly it. And that is what leads to the formation of sand mafias to get around quantity permits and regulations. So, Break down what these sand mafias look like, because I'm still picturing Tony Soprano. Well, unfortunately, it's not as simple as that, because many of these mafias aren't as understood as the New Jersey crime family was. Most people think of organized crime or a family-run hierarchy when they hear the word mafia. That's not always the case for these sand mafias. So is it similar to drug trafficking or other criminal organizations? Partly, yes. In terms of how many drug operations are transnational networks, sand mafias are structured similarly. There's not one sand mafia. It's many fragmented groups across a country, and they're not always connected. Sometimes they'll even compete against each other. 
What makes them especially unique is that a sand mafia can range from a group of local fishermen to a large mining corporation that has a permit to already mine legally, but has the equipment to go over quotas and mine illicitly. So I guess having these spread out cells of sand mafias in a variety of different forms makes it all that much harder to catch them. I'm sure local authorities might be corrupted as well or tempted by the high value of sands. You're right. Many times the police will help sand mafias evade the law or get around roadblocks and other methods to stop illegal mining. That's not even the full extent of the problem, though. The networking and corruption usually goes up higher than just the police. Many of these networks are tied to politicians who are also benefiting from the illegal mining. And if someone other than the local government tries to catch these mafias or expose them, they are usually intimidated and harassed by the groups. In some cases, they're even killed in brutal ways as to send a message. Yeah, I actually remember one story on the news where a police officer was crushed to death for trying to check an illegal sand mining operation. I know, some of the stories are just awful. I think the particular story you saw was from 2018 in the Mahidya Pradesh region of India. A 60-year-old deputy ranger of forestry named Subduar Kushwa, who was just months from retirement, saw two motorcyclists trying to remove tire-bursting spikes that were put in place to stop trucks and tractors ferrying illegal sand. When he attempted to stop them, he was run over by a speeding tractor and killed while it escaped. Well, that's absolutely terrible. I guess police and other officials have to choose between bribes or risk losing their lives by doing their jobs. It's something that's really scary, and the worst part is it only worsens the environmental effects of sand mining and hurts local communities more too. Beaches are one of the few targets for illicit mining operations and can often be stolen from communities. For example, one woman named Abduali, who lives just south of Mumbai along the seafront of India's west coast, heard trucks for a week straight every night hauling tons of sand from the beach. When she finally had enough and called the police, there was no rush to the crime scene and the police instead tipped off the illegal sand miners. I've heard stories like that. It's wild to think beaches could be stolen. I also have seen that many communities suffer from secondhand impacts of illegal sand mining too. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Stripping riverbeds of sand in the ways we discussed earlier causes water tables to drop which adds on to the already historic water shortage among villages across India. And I'm sure the sea level rising isn't helping either. Exactly. Sand mining and its over-extraction has caused large damage to river deltas that help slow erosion of coastal land. Villages along ocean lines throughout Asia have been increasingly sinking into the sea as global climate change worsens. So, not only does sand mining damage the habitat of many ecosystems, it also inflicts on the everyday lives of those within proximity of the mining sites. Totally. And not even just environmentally. The reality with world shortages of a very valuable resource is the creation of a black market and corruption that affect the daily lives of many people who aren't even involved. There's a lot of fear which makes standing up to the issue difficult, especially in poorer communities. It's everyone from environmental activists and journalists who have been beaten and killed in public to park rangers and government officials being extorted to support the illicit mining. It seems like the issue is somewhat overwhelming at this point. 
how does the world mitigate the use of sand or what solutions could be put in place to decrease the amount of sand mafia activity? That's the big question. As with many issues involving the environment, conservation is the best place to start. Aurora Torres, an ecologist at German Center for Integrative Biodiversity Research in Leipzig, says, quote, it is time to treat sand like a resource on par with clean air, biodiversity, and other natural endowments that nations seek to manage for the future. Right. So bringing this issue to the global stage and creating limitations to make natural sand mining more sustainable. Exactly. Starting to manage what building and speculative building is necessary, and if it is necessary, using recycled materials would be beneficial, especially for developed countries that already have plenty of infrastructure. Yeah, I saw in a recent UN report that Germany recycles 87% of its waste aggregate materials. I've even seen some research that ash from burned solid waste can be recycled and used in aggregates. What exactly do you think of that? I think that's great, but many alternative resources for sand are still in the laboratory stage. Any way in which we can start looking at sand in the same way we view energy in the creation of sustainable use will greatly help the planet and suffering communities. Yeah, I found a really interesting TED talk given by Vince Beiser, who you mentioned earlier, that actually touches on that same idea. Ultimately, there's only one long-term solution. And it's this, we have to start using less sand. And for that matter, we have to start using less of everything. Right? This is not news. We're burning too much oil. We're pumping out too much fresh water. We're taking too many fish out of the oceans. We're cutting down too many trees. And now come to find out we're using too much sand. These are not separate problems. These are all symptoms of the same problem, which is that we are simply consuming too much. There just aren't enough resources in the world for us to continue the way that we live, at least here in the developed world. So Vince seems to be saying that the world's shortage of sand is related to other shortages and harmful extractions of resources. But what scale does that look like? Can people do anything on an individual level? It's interesting that you bring that up. It's difficult because even though there's some progress in recycling aggregates, like in Germany, people can't do that on an individual level unless you're breaking down old concrete structures in your backyard. The issue is the massive demand that is ever growing for technology and infrastructure. That doesn't mean don't move to a city and live in a bamboo shack, but bringing awareness to the problem is the best thing people can do. The roots of the mining industry are tied to governments and local authorities. So like in democracy, although it can be slow, getting representation by those who have goals to mitigate crude sand mining and limit how fast humanity is throwing up skyscrapers is where things will start to get better. I guess that means there is no simple solution, or at least on a minor scale. Like many of the overconsumption issues our world is facing, cutting down on use as a whole and changing the way in which we as a society consume is what will help slow this unsustainable exponential growth. I agree. The solution then acts as a butterfly effect almost. Vince later gives the example on cutting down the number of cars in the world by, say, 10%. Not only would that reduce carbon emissions and things like traffic drastically, but it would also mean fewer houses that need garages, smaller freeways, smaller parking spots, and large parking structures. Everything with resource use is interconnected. 
including sand. And the only way it's going to get better is if we can make solutions that address not one resource issue, but the larger issue of overconsumption. It seems like Vince is almost approaching the idea of degrowth. Uh, this idea is described as a phase of planned and equitable economic contraction in the richest nations, eventually reaching a steady state that operates within Earth's biophysical limits. Do you believe that is realistic for the world to achieve? Honestly, in my opinion, not anytime soon. If anything, global tensions are rising, whether it's trade wars between the U.S. and China or rising conflicts in the Middle East. On January 6, 2020, U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres said that global political tensions are, quote, at their highest level this century, are escalating and leading more and more countries to take unpredicted decisions with unpredictable consequences and a profound risk of miscalculation, end quote. Asking countries, especially developed nations, to radically reduce resource and energy demand seems like a difficult sell at this point in time. Many nations throughout history, as well as in the examples I mentioned previously, have looked the other way when it comes to economic development. Yeah, it looks like the main obstacle, if degrowth is the goal, is a global divide and sense of competition that puts a wedge between mutual cooperation and sustainable development. Exactly. This is an issue that the whole world needs to put their heads together on because no one is going to make the first move. Competition is an innate human character, and as the world is growing increasingly more competitive and tensions rise, thinking and acting broadly about the planet will become all the more distant. So when talking about sand mafias, we're focusing on a symptom of a broader issue of overconsumption that is linked to a global race for power, and that leaves little room for debating large-scale solutions. Wow. Uh that's absolutely fascinating, AJ, and we'll keep that in mind as we continue to explore these big themes as a global topic. Thank you so much for your time and insight on the matter. Of course. Thanks for having me on, Teddy. All right, folks. I'll see you next time on Get Lit Podcast. Every time I need the hype, throw that to the side. Yo.